And I'm singing pretty. Amen. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. And uh, we have been looking at the revelation of Jesus Christ over the past months. Um, beginning in January, we began looking at the book of Revelation. And um, we have um, spent a few months looking at... Matt. We spent a few months looking at uh, the first couple chapters of the book of Revelation. And then we took a, um, an interlude, a hiatus, um, looking at an introduction to prophecy. Now what Matt is handing out is the sermon note sheet for today. And what he's doing is he's handing out primarily to the adults and to those who are of the, the reading persuasion. Um, because these are, you can see, color copies, nice, pretty, uh, more expensive. And so I printed out 20 for today that have a front and a back, and we'll explain that later. And then I have 30 more copies of it without the back on it that we'll use in weeks to come because I know people will misplace them, and they'll say, hey, do you have another one of those? And uh, since we'll be using it and looking at this for quite a while, I, I have those as well. But I didn't bring them today because I didn't want to be tempted to hand them out to everybody. And so, children, if uh, you're offended that you're not getting one, I apologize, but... Um, you can look on with those who can read, okay? And uh, look at the pretty pictures. This is not a coloring page. I already got the color on it. So, um, so we have them, okay? Good. We have a couple, few left. There's always extra loaves and, and, uh, and fish, right? So we have some extra sheets as well. All right? So if you would like one, um, you didn't get one at the end, please see me. We have those. But as we have looked at the book of Revelation, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, Again, we, have, we consider then the, the outline, the things that were, the things that are, and the things that shall be. And we took a few months looking at the things that, that were and are, and those were the, the, the letter to John, the message to John, and then the letter to the churches, and we spent quite a while looking at those. But again, we took that interlude in looking at prophecy throughout scriptures, and there was a few months, quite a few months of that, and it's been really neat for me Maybe not neat for you to hear this, but it's neat for me, as I've been doing some more study on the book of Revelation, things that if I had to preach even those um, Bible introduction to prophecy messages over again, I would probably change some things. And uh, it's interesting to watch how things have been being put together biblically, and uh, we'll talk about that as we go. But as I considered now, um, going into this week, we know that two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, because Devin spoke last week, that we began looking at the things that shall be, and we began by looking at chapter 4 and chapter 5 of the book of Revelation, and today we move into chapter 6 and beyond, and into the things that really are the, the, the things that shall be, um, that as I looked at it, I, I began to realize that I needed to do um, a message on it just a, basically an overview. We were getting ready to jump in. Matt, you want to hit the lights? We were getting ready to jump into details. And, and, um, and I don't know about you, but for me, as I prepare the messages and as I do expository teaching, that means teaching through books of the Bible and such, one of the first things I do is I, I go and I look at the, the overview so I can understand where things fit together. The, the, the problem with that is, when you teach expositorily, if you don't come back and, and do that big picture look, you, on your side of it, you get 
the detail immediately, and you start asking yourself, well, how does all this fit together? And so Marsha and I were talking about that, and she was, over the last couple of weeks, as, you know, clearly we talk about different things at times. Not often, we're not, we don't see each other very often, but anyways, the times that we do talk, we get to, to talk, and, uh, and she gets to share with me her feelings on, on the series and stuff like that that we're going through, and so that was one of her thoughts, and that is, you know, where does all this fit together? And so as I was doing it, I wanted to fit everything together as well, and so I thought, you know, it's important, I think, to be able to have a week where we come and just look at the, the big picture. Where does all this stuff fit together? Because undoubtedly, you have read um, the Left Behind series, and even if you haven't read the Left Behind series, in, in which, if you've read Left Behind series, you are now tainted, okay? And I don't mean that from a Ruth perspective, but you now, you now see uh, the end times from Tim LaHaye's perspective. Do you get it? That was one of the, the greatest things that he did as far as a, a teaching thing goes. He put it all into a novel form and he got to teach his, his view of eschatology and hopefully gave that part of the gospel as well as he did it. So I don't mean as being rude, but as well, if you've watched movies um, regarding the end times, you have been indoctrinated with a particular view as well. And sometimes, as again, as I've stated in the past, sometimes we take those views, we take those other interpretations, and we just read them into the Bible, rather than reading the Bible, seeing what the Bible says, and then seeing whether those popular books and those popular beliefs really fit with what the Bible teaches. Does that make sense? So, I want to look at today this overview. An overview of Revelation 4 through 22, okay, which is that section of the things that shall be. No, we're not going to give great detail. I told Marsha, I said, I wish that I could give a three to six hour message. And that would, we could do it all in three to six hours. I think we could go through the entire thing because we're not going to go into a great detail with all this. The problem is it's going to take a whole lot longer because we're going to take it in snips and pieces and, and chunks and we're going to do a lot of review and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But we would go through all this in detail. So, um, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we began looking at, in chapter four, the throne room of God. And if you remember, as we looked at the throne room of God, we looked at the... Um, the, the person, the presence, and the, the praise of God, who he was, and that he was pictured as uh, red and white, and he had a, an emerald rainbow around him, and he had the four uh, living creatures in front of him, and the four and twenty elders surrounding him on the throne. Do you remember all that? And the sea of glass was there. Okay, and then the following week, we looked at chapter 5, and we looked at the entrance of the Lamb. And we saw that the, he was, um, that John was there in the throne room, and that there was a, a scroll that it was held in the right hand of the one who sat upon the throne, and it was sealed with seven seals, and they cried out, Who is worthy to open up this scroll? And, and nobody was unworthy. And John began to cry, because nobody on the earth, under the earth, or in the heavens, was found worthy. No created being was found worthy to open up the scrolls. But then as John began to cry, he was told, don't cry, because look, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open up the scrolls. And we're told then, there then came a lamb that had seven eyes and seven horns, and, and he came out, and he was able to, and those eyes and those horns were representative of the seven spirits of God. And he took the scroll out of the, the hand of him who sat upon the throne, and when he did so, there was much adoration and much praise that began to be exuded to, to the Lamb and to the one who sits upon the throne. And we're, we saw that 
In fact, the lamb who was slain was the God who was sitting upon the throne, and the two were the same as, as one. And so now we go into chapter 6, and as we go into chapter 6, we begin to see that this lamb who has the scroll that is sealed with seven seals begins to open the seals. And as he begins to open the seals, what we're going to see is that there are catastrophic events that are going to occur upon the earth. There are going to be horsemen. There's going to be the, the, the white horse, the red horse, the black horse, the pale horse. Then we're going to be able to see, we're going to look at the martyrs who are underneath the altar of God. And then after that we're going to see what appears for all intents and purposes probably a nuclear catastrophe or some major um, catastrophe on the earth where um, the earth is going to quake and, 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 and mountains are going to be crumbling and people are going to be hiding themselves in caves. And they're going to be declaring, oh, woe is us because now the wrath of the Lamb has come upon us. That all happens in chapter 6. And then, coming out of chapter 6, we're told that when all this catastrophe is happening, that, that God sends forth these four angels to hold back the winds of the earth. And um, we'll talk about that a little bit. I don't want to give too much ahead of time, but and, and they, they hold back the wind, and then during this time in chapter 7 of this interlude, we're also told that there is a ceiling of 144,000 Jews, 12,000 Jews from each of the 12 tribes. And then at the end of chapter 7, at the beginning of chapter 8, we're told that the seventh seal is opened up. And when the seventh seal is opened up, there is a period of silence in heaven for about a half an hour. We'll talk about that again, and maybe next week or the week after that. And then also, seven angels are brought forth who have seven trumpets. Seven angels, each with a trumpet. And these trumpets, these angels with the trumpets, they, they come forth. And so then we're told that there is a, an angel that, that comes and he, and he has a censer. And he, and he takes the censer and he, and, he, and he grabs some fire from the, from the altar and he hurls it at the earth, and, and as he hurls it at the earth, in, in my mind, in the picture I have, it's kind of like a NASCAR race. You know, the, 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 the cars are coming around the track, and the, 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 um, you got the starter. The starter takes the flag, and he puts the flag down, and it starts the race, and it's kind of like what that is with the, the, the angel. And he hurls the fire to the earth, and, and he begins the trumpets. And so then we see in, in Revelation chapter 8, we have four of the trumpets that come forth, and and in those trumpets we have, again, more devastation, more catastrophe. The, the, the first angel sounds and, and there is catastrophe um, uh, on, the, on, the, on the earth, on the, on, the, on the ground itself. And then, then the next one, um, when the next one sounds, there's a big fiery mountain that comes in and goes into the seas. And, and it kills a third of the, the, the animals that are... The, that are living in the sea in a third of the ships. And then another one, and wormwood. You've probably heard of wormwood and how that's cast down and it goes into the rivers and the, and the streams and it, and it contaminates the water, the fresh water system, and that people are dying because of this. And so we're told of the third of the, a third of the land and a third of the waters and a third of the seas are destroyed and, and contaminated because of, these, because of these things that are coming upon um, the earth. And then we're told that there is a, another star, an, an individual, a being, who's given a, a key, and, and he is able to go, and he's, he unlocks this pit, and, and all these locust-type beings, if you were Sunday school, we read 
them because of the, the, the description. These, these locusts come out, these locust-type beings come out, and they have the, 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 like a scorpion, a tail like a scorpion that's going to sting, and, and when they sting, it's going to inflict people with pain for five months, and the people aren't going to die, they're going to pray that they could die, but they're not going to be able to die. Just total devastation and catastrophe that comes from this. And, and on the heels of these demonic spiritual forces that come and, and do this devastation, then we have the sixth seal, or the sixth trumpet, which is the, um, the timing of the, the hordes of the east that come forth and the, the, the river Euphrates is being dried up and, and 200 million, and, and we'll look at this later, but we're told that it's two myriad of myriads, and a myriad was 10,000 at that time. And so if you take 10,000 times 10,000, you get the 100 million, so two of those is 200 million. So 200 million troops that are coming and fighting, we get the picture of this world war, world war is, is the picture of what I have when it comes through there. And we'll talk a little bit more as we go. And all this devastation that's going on, and that's in the chapter 9 with the, the demonic forces and, the, and, the, and the, the hordes that are, are being released potentially from the east. But we're told that it's not just from the east, but there's multitudes of nations that are involved in this. And so I picture probably a, a horde from the east that's coming, but initiating this world war that's going on. And then we go into chapter 10. And in chapter 10, we, we begin to see this angel that's, that's, that's coming down, this mighty angel and, uh, in the clouds, and that there's this great uh, shout that goes with him. Um, there are thunders that are thundering. What the thunders are thundering, we're told we're not allowed to know. John is told to seal that up. It's not for us to know. And we're told that the, the mystery of God would be complete when that happened at the sounding, when, when, the, when the trumpet, when the angel was about to sound those things would happen. But the angel didn't sound. It was about the sound. He's, it's in the process. He's like this in chapter 10. And then we go into chapter 11 and we see the, the, the measuring of the, of, the, um, of the temple mount. And we see that in chapter 11 that there are, and we'll talk about this in a moment, that there are the three and a half years that begin where, the, where there are two witnesses for God. So you remember the two witnesses when you read the Tim LaHaye books? They don't come until... Chapter 11, we're going to come back and talk about that in a moment, okay? And so that happens in chapter 11 where you have the two witnesses that are on the earth for three and a half years. They're able to do all kind of devastation um, and, and inflict people and uh, to defend themselves with great, great um, miraculous acts. And then after three and a half years of the ministry, now this is only for just a short period in chapter 11, they're, they're able, God gives the, uh, the people on the earth the privilege of killing them. And so they're killed. The people on the earth rejoice because these prophets are killed. They're laid out on the streets for three and a half days. Putrid stuff, isn't it? Anyways, but they're laid out. That's how much the, the world is going to be excited that these prophets of God have been killed. Um, that they lay them out for three and a half days for everybody to see. I'm sure it'll be on ESPN. It'll probably be all over the internet um, at the time. But at the end of three and a half days, they will be resurrected. They will come alive again right there in the streets and they will be taken up at that time. And the world will see, see that happening. And at the, on the heels of that, that all happened right there when the trumpet sounds. Okay? The trumpet sounds, and at the end of that, the last three and a half years of, of the tribulation period, quote-unquote, begins. The last three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week. We'll come back to that. And so in that, then, um, we see 
the bowls of wrath will begin as well as a part of that. And so we see the bowls of the bowls of wrath, the bowl, the bowl judgments begin in chapter 16. And what you'll note there with the, the graphics as they come up is that all the bowls occur where? In chapter 16. Okay? But you say, but all that is purple. All that is the dark blue, 16 and 19. That's true because that seventh bowl is Armageddon. And Armageddon doesn't finish until chapter 19. There's another interlude that going on in chapter 17 and chapter 18 that is describing the harlot that rides upon the beast in Babylon the Great, which is fallen and has fallen. Okay? And so some of these things you probably have heard about in the past. Okay? And so they're there. And so as we go through the weeks, you know, hopefully you'll have this and you maybe make more notes as we go through the different things that are occurring in those chapters. This just gives you kind of the big overview picture. Okay? So you'll have all those bulls of, of wrath and, 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 again, more devastation that is being poured upon the earth. And understand, just as an overview, that until that seventh trumpet is not called wrath yet, there's this tumultuous time and uh, tribulation, if you would, using that word, on the earth. But it is not what God calls his wrath at this point. It's not until we get to chapter 16 that the bulls of God's wrath are begun to pour out upon the earth. And from there then we go into chapter 20. Chapter 20 is the, um, excuse me, the millennium. What we refer to as the millennium, a thousand year reign of Christ on the earth, physically on the earth. And then also the great white throne judgment will be there as well, where the dead, small and great, will be judged according to their, their works. And we also know then, that coming out of that, that those whose names were not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be cast into the lake of fire. That happens there in, in chapter 20 as well. And then finally in chapter 21 and chapter 22, we read about the New Jerusalem. Chapter, one, chapter 21 specifically is all about the New Jerusalem and how it comes down um, from the heavens and uh, what it looks like, the size that it is, um, the, uh, the foundations and how the, the, 12, the 12 doors, the 12 foundational things, that all happens there in chapter 21. Chapter 22 talks about the tree of life in the in the uh, in the the river of life that comes from the throne as well that's all part of the new Jerusalem so that is a quick overview of the things that shall be okay this is the the things that shall be that what's going to happen so we have the throne of God the entrance of the Lamb we're going to have the seal judgments which we're going to begin begin looking at next week in more detail then we have the trumpet judgments okay that are there as well and then the bull judgments and then the final judgment. Now, if you had a, if you had a, um, take this and summarize this message, okay, of the things that shall be, okay, how would you summarize it? Judgment, okay, judgment. Now, I want to encourage you, though, that it's like a big double stuff. Anybody know what a double stuff is? What's a double stuff? It's an Oreo. It's an Oreo. And so you got the cookie on this side. You got the cookie on this side. You got the filling in the middle. But it's not just a, a typical Oreo that has just a little bit of filling. But it's a double stuff. It's got a lot of it. And what I want to encourage you in is that it's easy for us to look at chapter 6 to chapter 20 and see what? Judgment. But don't forget the bookends. 
4 and 5 wasn't about judgment, was it? What was 4 and 5 all about? Not just about God. It's about God, but even more so, because chapter 6 to chapter 20 is about God too. Okay? But more specifically, 4 and 5 was what, what aspect of God? His glory, and, and how does God receive the glory? Come on, y'all. This is a big battle in, in the churches today, whether, whether the, the, uh, the Bible is doxological, it's all about the glory of God, or whether the Bible is soteriological, which means it's all about the salvation of man. God receives the greatest glory through the redemption of man. His redemptive purpose. Think about it. When we're back there in chapter 4 and chapter 5. In chapter 5, when the 4 and 20 elders and, and, and everybody else is falling down and they're given the lamb and God praise, what are they praising him for? Because you have redeemed us to God. And you have made us kings and priests to our God. His redemptive purposes. And so 4 and 5 is all about his redemptive purposes. All, his desires for us. Not that he wants to judge us. Not that he wants to destroy us, but that rather he desires to what? Save us. Isn't that what we read from Paul talking to Timothy? He says, um, you know, praying always for all men and kings and all who are in authority, yada, yada, yada. And he says, why? Because God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. That's God's desire. God's desire is that you would be saved. Not that you would be judged. But the fact is, judgment's out there. And you have a what? You have a choice. You've got a choice whether you're part of the celebration or you're part of the wrath. We'll talk about some more of this as we go in there. But honestly, which aspect of God's judgment or justice you get is really your decision. I can go to the courtroom downtown anytime I want to. And when I go into the, the throne room, if you would, of that judge, I walk in without any fear. Do you know why? Because I'm not, I haven't done anything. Well, not that they know of anyway. But that's exactly, I'm innocent, if you would. I'm, I'm free from the guilt that goes with that. But, let's say... I'm wearing um, the blues, the oranges, the whites, striped type stuff, and, and I've got some fancy ornamentation around my wrists and, and legs when I'm walking into the courtroom. Do I walk in with a different thought process? I sure do. Now I'm walking in with what? Fear. I'm walking in with fear because I don't know what I'm going to walk, <laughs> how, I'm, how I'm leaving. It's the same thing as I looked at the book of Revelation. I can either look to the book of Revelation as a, as a message of judgment or as a message of redemption. I believe that God has revealed to us and to the world the devastation and the judgment that's supposed to come upon the world not to make us afraid as believers but as a testimony as well to the unbelievers. God's word is true. And there are many people who say they believe. Who say that there is a God. But may not know the truth of what's going to happen. If you went out today on the streets 
and you asked people, did your own little survey, and you asked them what they saw in the future. Now, I'm not talking about timing. I'm not telling you that tomorrow's the, the rapture and, and, and everything's going to happen, and I'm not picking a day or an hour, okay? I have thoughts that's going to go on in my mind, but I know that I'm not perfect, so I don't want to, I don't want to go there, okay? I don't trust those things, okay? But if you went out there and just asked people, not even the Ten Commandments, okay? I mean, that's fun to just even ask them the Ten Commandments, you know, if they can hit one of them. But what does God say the plan for the future is? What kind of a success rate would you have? Now, that's picking on the world. What if we went to churches today? And we asked those who say they believe in Jesus Christ, who say that they're Christians, who have the word of God, how much of the end times would they know? I submit to you that most people would be able to tell you what Left Behind teaches. Even those who don't believe in a preacher of rapture. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing when, when you do some research and stuff like this, how many of the people who are in an all-mill position or post-mill position, what does that mean? That means that they all-mill believes, they don't believe that there's a millennium. Okay, and post-mill believes that, they, that we have to bring in a Christian world in order for Jesus to come back. Those are not true, true theologies. They're, they're totally unbiblical. But anyways, but they hate, those guys hate Tim LaHaye's series. Because Tim LaHaye did a, a great job of confusing their, their, the people who hold those things. Because people walk around and say, oh yeah, I'm all mill, then they talk about the rapture. <laughs> hmm, that doesn't, that doesn't float with the all mill position. So anyways, so that's what we're going to be looking at. Now, what is very important here, and you have on your chart as well, because you've got all this on your chart as well as the next phase already, right? And that is where the 70th week of Daniel's vision actually fits. Okay? Now this goes back months ago to when we went through the book of Daniel. Remember I said back then, this stuff is important. You want to remember this stuff. This is going to come into play, a serious play. And straight up, it comes into play to the point where I messed up a little bit, I think, when I taught through Matthew 24. I'm going to go back and listen to it. I may pull that one off the, off the web. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but, because, again, as I went and I'm assimilating everything and I'm, and I'm putting everything together... I'm, I'm starting to see now things going together. And uh, it's kind of fun. It, it really is. And, you know, I've looked at this stuff. I've studied this stuff before, but not with the intensity that I'm studying it right now. In chapter 11, turn with me there, chapter 11, okay? We're jumping ahead a little bit. And we're not going to preach on 11, but just so that you can see the overview, because I feel like this event is so critical for us understanding who we are in Christ, and where we might be as we look through the book of Revelation. In chapter 11, beginning of verse 1, it says, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. 42 months is what? Three and a half years. Okay? And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Does anybody know what 1,260 days is? Three and a half years. Using a 
30-day, remember when we talked about this back there and I said the prophetic calendar is 30 days? It's not like we do it, you know. It's 360 days in a prophetic year, okay? Because it's 12 months of 30 days each. So this is three and a half prophetic years, okay? So not three and a half years that we think about it, okay? But three and a half years prophetically that the Bible talks about, okay? Prophetic years. So 360 days in a year times three, and then add 180 to that, and you get 1,200, um, the 1,260 days, okay? So what do I read immediately? I read that there are what? Three and a half years that begin in chapter 11. Now this is important, okay? Why? Because, oh, and then we have the first half and the second half that breaks here, so I'll, I'll show it to you later. But this is important because traditionally, Remember I shared this with you three weeks ago, or whenever it was, that the, um, oh, in fact, I missed, I, I missed my, my mark on this. Move the zero over to chapter, to chapter four. Can't believe I did. I'll have to change my, 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 my PowerPoint here. Anyways, traditionally, the rapture occurs before the throne room of God. Remember when John was told, come up here, and we talked about that, and I said, and we went through all the listing of the things that we saw was going to happen, when Jesus came back in the clouds to take us to be in the clouds and, and the, the voice of the archangel that was going to be there and all these other things, the trumpet sound that was going to be there. And none of those were there. But that is over here, beginning of chapter 4. I apologize for that. That's, that. That devastates me. I looked at that thing ten times. Anyways, um, that there in chapter 4 was when the rapture, quote-unquote, or the harpazo, remember we talked about the word harpazo, when they believed that it happens. The problem is, um, and I won't say where it begins, but they say then at the beginning of that, at the rapture, it's the beginning of the tribulation period. Okay? The tribulation period is the seven years, the final seven years of Daniel's vision. Okay? And so if you read Tim LaHaye's books, okay, you begin to read then about the three and a half, the, the seven year period. Okay? And I'll put, bring my other arrow in here because we see that the biblical beginning is there. And since the rapture occurs here and the tribulation period then begins here, according to Tim LaHaye, when you begin to read those left behind books and you read about the two witnesses that are on the earth, those two witnesses don't occur to when? Chapter 11, but then all of a sudden you have the seal judgments occurring when? While the two witnesses or on the earth. Do you see the problem? What actually happens before the two witnesses are on the earth? And the, and the seven year begins? All the seal judgments. And almost all of the trumpet judgments. And I submit to you that it will be the trumpet judgments. As a whole. Okay? But th that's right. And so you've got the seals and the trumpets that are actually occurring. Before the two witnesses are on the earth. So, for me, the left behind is a good read, but it's not consistent. The only way that you could do that, okay, and this is teaching stuff, okay, this isn't, I'm going to take this home and apply it to my life stuff, okay, but is if you, instead of taking the, the seals, the trumpets, and the bulls sequentially, if you say that all those judgments are simultaneous, and so that... Um, each of them are portraying what's going to go on the earth for those seven years. 
Okay? Now, distinctly, right off the bat, there's a problem with that view. Okay? You, just as we showed these things, should be able to tell me what's the problem with, those, with that view. Why, can't they, why can they not be simultaneous? The witnesses are going to be walking around three and a half years. Okay, you're, 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 you're targeting into it. Okay, if, if they were simultaneous, where would you picture the witnesses walking on the earth in the trumpet judgments of which they're part of? Where would they, where were they, which, which trumpet would they come with? Huh? No, they come in, in, in the last one, but which one would they come with if each one of these pictures is the first one? Do you get it? If each one of these judgment sections dealt with the seven-year period, so in other words, the seals deals with the seven-year period, and the trumpets deal with the seven-year period, and the, and the bulls deal with the seven-year period, because it's all the wrath of God, and we're not going to be a part of any of that, right? So if that was the case, then you would picture that the witnesses, since they begin to three and a half years, or the first half of the, the, that would be where? The beginning of the trumpets. Do you get, I mean, it's a logical process here. Is everybody tracking with me? Or is this just mundane? Anyways, but it's a big deal when it comes to interpretation. Okay? And we're told on the, the seventh seal in chapter, um, chapter 8 that right when the, that, that seal is opened and there's a period of a half an hour of peace that then the trumpets were given to the, to the angels. And so that seemed to be as a flow, okay? I won't get into all the grammar of the, the chi's and, and why it, that, that makes sense there. But just a basic thing, a very basic thing, is looking at chapter 11. It couldn't be simultaneous. So it has to be sequential. Do you get it? And if it's sequential, then clearly the seal judgments are not a part of the final week of Daniel. That means the seal judgments, and if you read what the judgments are, think about it, they are focused on the world, not necessarily focused on Israel. Do you remember when we talked about the prophecies from the book of Daniel, and we talked about Zechariah in, in these different places, how I said that, be careful, we've got we to gotta watch, because primarily most prophecy is from the perspective of who? The Jews, okay? Unless we're told otherwise. And we're told that that final week of Daniel is for who? The Jews. Your holy people, your holy city, your holy mountain. It's for Israel and for the Jews, for Jerusalem. That begins in chapter 11. You get it? Before chapter 11 is all about the nations. If you read through it, and I encourage you to read through this beforehand and, and be looking through this as we go into this. These are, these are judgments that are going to be based upon the nations, not just to Jerusalem. It's not going to be Jesus coming down in, in Mount of Olives splitting in, in, in two. That occurs later. These are going to be devastations that occur upon the whole earth. And there are those who believe even when it talks about a third of the earth that it's talking about the Western Hemisphere. Because North America and South America constitute about a third of the, the land mass. I'm not saying I'm there. I'm just saying that there are all these theories and uh, hypotheses that are out there. Okay, And so it's an interesting thing. Now, on your, again, to go back to this, I, I put these, these out, um, that you have them, keep them. Um, I made um, 20 for today. 
with um, the thing that's on the back, which I'm going to talk about now. And on the back of is a um, my attempt, ongoing attempt, that's why you only have a segment of it, of a synthesis, if you would, of the book of Revelation and prophecy, and where things fit together, okay? And so as we've read through Matthew 24, as we've read through the book of Daniel, as we've read through Ezekiel, and as, we, as we've studied and, and preached through those things, um, those prophetic portions, where do they fit? And so I'm trying to begin at putting some of these things together as time permits, and as I study and and other things start fitting in, okay? Now, it is already on the web. If you go to the recorded messages, the 2009 to today, this color chart is already up there, okay? And the uh, PDF of the full um, synthesis of this is up there, at least, and it'll be changed as we go. Um, as I continue to change this from week to week to week, um, the change will be there, um, and just as a note for those who go up there looking for messages, pray for a new um, internet service provider. Not ISP, because my ISP was working well, but we were with WebStrike before, and they sold us off to something called EasyCGI, and the bandwidth has just been awful. I, I cannot get a, a message up there for the last three weeks. And so I can get small things, like PDFs up there, but I can't get messages up there, so we need to change um, where we're storing our stuff on the web, because it's just it's nuts. I mean, I just... It doesn't, I, I've tried different times of the day, and um, anyways, it's just not giving me any bandwidth to get stuff up there. So, some of you understand that, some of you don't, don't worry about it if you don't. But if you do understand that, and if you know somebody has good bandwidth, and we can get it cheap, let me know. So, I'm sure you got contacts or whatever. But anyways, if, if anybody, if you know some, let me know them, because we need to change. Because otherwise, what we're trying to do isn't, isn't going to happen. Okay? But on the back there, what you'll see then is the book of Revelation. Beginning in chapter 6, you have this page. Um, where you have the seals, I brought then Jesus' teaching in Matthew 24, and where Bob sees how that fits together. Okay, And so you can see at the top of that column where verse 15, I said that actually drops down all the way to Revelation chapter 12. And so you've got actually the first 14 verses there, and that would mean that you would go to the, to the PDF and drop all the way down to Revelation chapter 12, and you'll see that it picks up with verse 15 there. Um, and one of the things that I was really encouraged by as I was going through this is to think about that Jesus is giving the whole book of Revelation in 40 verses. You know? And so it's, it's easy for us to try to put things together. Um, but when you start reading the book of Revelation and you begin to look at the things that are occurring, what Jesus talks about is scattered throughout the book of Revelation. And he says that these things are going to occur. And he's not lying to us. They are going to occur. He just didn't give you all the details while he was sitting on the, on the, on the Mount of Olives. Okay? And so I want to encourage you as well. You can be able to use that. Um, you can go up there and print it out. Right now, I think it's 12 pages long. I made it into 10 point. It was 12 point before, and it was 18 pages. So I condensed it down to 10 point to get it down to 12 or 13 pages. So um, anyways, so needless to say, I really don't want to make 20 to 30 copies of that every week. Um, that would be kind of difficult. So if you're interested in that, you can go up on the web, um, to the church website, and it is there. So regardless of whether today's message gets up there, at least the, uh, the sermon note sheets are up there and, and all the other handouts will be up there as well. Okay? Now, in the end then, how do we apply all this to ourselves? Well, very clearly it comes back to the same statement that I made earlier. And that is, Jesus Christ is coming quickly. He, he is coming soon. As you look at this up, and for you, considering that could have one of two effects. 
first of all, you could be a believer. And if you're a believer, then what should you do? Well, you should be walking in great confidence, knowing that God has a future already planned. But even more than that, He cares about you. His redemptive plan. He's already sought for the redemptive plan. He's not going to allow you to go through the wrath of God. We'll talk about what that means as we go. Okay? But He also will protect you and strengthen you through those other things. We know that the fourth, I'm sorry, the fifth seal is the seal of the martyrs. When the martyrs who are underneath the throne cry out, How long, God, holy and true? Which means that there are going to be what? There's going to be martyrs. Okay? If martyrs are crying out, that means there must be martyrs. Martyrs doesn't mean somebody who just dies naturally. Martyrs means that somebody who what? Died for a cause. And died for the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, that ought to give me some encouragement here. Not necessarily that I want to be a martyr, but that even in the face of martyrdom, God still has it all planned, and he has a special place for me right up under his altar. It's an awesome thing. Okay? But, now, let's say you're not a believer. You're here today, and you're not a believer. You have never accepted Jesus Christ into your life. You've not accepted... This stuff's still going to happen. It doesn't matter whether you're a believer or not a believer. The... The end times are going to happen the way God says they're going to happen. You know, it's kind of like what I talk about with the, the, the rapture. I have an idea when I believe in the book of Revelation when the rapture occurs. But just because I believe it's there doesn't mean it will. Does that make sense? Okay. So, if he comes in the beginning of chapter 4, I rejoice in the Lord. If he comes in chapter 10, then good, I need to be prepared for some seals and some trumpets. If he doesn't come until actually the sounding of the trumpet, which means it's mid-trib, then I've got to be ready for some more. If he doesn't come until after the tribulation period, and we'll talk about that one as we go through, okay? Because that's another option that's there. Then I've got to be ready for even more. Okay? Now, if I'm a believer, I've got great confidence going through that. If you're not a believer, there's a whole lot of woe coming to you. And so, you need to comprehend the great trials that are coming on the earth in the ultimate judgment at God's great white throne. It's going to happen. And whether or not I live to the day of the 70th week, I could die in a crash today. And I'm going to ultimately go before what? The great white throne. So where will you stand today in that? Behold, today's the day of salvation. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for your word. It's true, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And Lord, you have promised that there will be great devastation in the years to come. Lord, I pray that as we consider your word and the truth of it, Lord, that we would find our confidence and our faith in you. Lord, it's not a matter of selling my house and moving to the mountains in fear. But it's a matter of walking in boldness and declaring the truth of your word. That I might see others come to know you and, and to be a part of your kingdom that they would join with me when we sing the praise to the Lamb because the kingdom belongs to our God. And then we would give you the great joy and the privilege and the praise of making us kings and priests to our God. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't wait though till that day when we're around your throne, but that we would give you that glory now. Lord, help us to be people who walk in praise and walk in prayer. Lord, help us to be those who are focused upon you. 
who are focused upon what you are doing, who are not of those who are of the world and in darkness and are blinded, but rather who are of the day. That we walk with alertness, we walk with sobriety. Be glorified, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.